Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, I just want to let you know how dedicated I am to this podcast. I am <laughs> delaying my trip to the beach just for this podcast. Wow. Everyone else has left. Actually, that's not true. Only like half my family has left for the beach, but I'm delaying for this podcast. And don't worry to all those listening out there. I'm only just staying within a house, not not going downtown, not going to the beach, still social distancing. So, but other than that, that's my dedication level. I'm showing you how committed I am. So just just throwing it out there. I'm I'm just saying you're the one to most recently missed a podcast. So just let that's you know. true. That's true. That that means a lot that you're willing to put push that off and and hang with me for a little bit. Um, I was also touched by the amount of uh, new ratings that we got on Apple yeah. Podcasts. We, we got up to 66. We had five new ratings uh, in a week, which is pretty solid. We got one nice review that said uh, their new trading goal is to now get fast enough to get a name drop on the podcast. So um, I'm not really sure who it is, um, but hopefully he gets fast enough that we're talking about him in, a, uh, in the next couple of months. Or she, you never know. Or she, or that's she. true. Yes, absolutely. Or yes. she. But, uh, but for today's purposes, it will likely be he, because Ben, yeah. we're going to be talking about the men's uh, way too early cross-country preview today. Um, for those who want to listen on the women's, uh, I did it with Mara uh, two weeks ago, I think now. So you can yep. go listen back to that podcast. But Ben, um, we've got a lot to talk about. We were discussing beforehand a few prompts and questions and uh like you don't like every cross country season seems to be just as exciting and invigorating just because of all the different storylines and and this year because of the transfers absolutely and i I think that's a good lead into the first question um with the amount of transfers that we've had um a lot of teams have gotten a lot better um over this really long off season um so which team do you think has improved themselves the most this past off season yeah, I, th- I think the obvious answer in this case, at least for the men, is is Arkansas. I mean, the fact that they brought in Kem Boy, who really did come in in the winter, as well as Ch- Emmanuel Chabosin. I'm kind of lumping them into the same deal here since cross-country season's a whole new animal. Um, you get those two guys who are superstar studs, uh, specifically Kem Boy, really. Then you add in Jacob Nicliode, your former teammate. Um, you had, you know, he's a sub 14, 5k guy. And now just recently Luke Mead comes in with a 1401 5k PR. He ran 403 this past winter. This past winter was his breakout season. So for him to recently kind of join this Arkansas team, I think there's a lot of potential there for him during a a cross country perspective. Um, I I think you're going to see an Arkansas team that has gone from a team that was, yeah, towards the, the bottom half of the NCAA, at least for the national championships. Uh, teams um, to now becoming a, a podium, a podium qualifying team, in a, in a best case scenario of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Arkansas is probably the pretty clear answer. And, and in terms of Luke Mead, he he's a Tennessee guy um, from high school, so I, I got to see him race a lot. And he was in the same um, class as uh, Zach Long, and those two would go after it a lot on the track and in cross country. Um, and obviously we know how good Zach Long became. So the talent is there for Luke. Um, and I think if he like he showed signs of really putting it together um, this past indoor season, I think if he can continue to do that and he's training with this really, really good Ar- Arkansas team, then I, I think that he could be way better than most of us are expecting. 
Yeah, absolutely. So that Arkansas team, there, there's still questions that I have about them, you know, the whole Kenboy situation. And, and that's something that I maybe touch on a little bit later, um, just in terms of like, you know, how good will some guys be? Are they going to translate it to the cross country season? But that, that's a different story. I, I don't think everything's quite as, you know, quite as much of a lock as it is for Arkansas, as it is for other teams, maybe, but the, the, the power, like the talent level is there, the power and the fire, the firepower, the low sticks, um, it's all there. It's just a matter of putting it together on the right day. So yeah, I, I'd say Arkansas, they're the pretty clear favorite. Um, you know, I, I guess you could also argue UNC, but really from a cross country perspective, you know, like from a transfer perspective, Thomas Ratcliffe is the only kind of guy that really stands out. Um, you know, Notre Dame might also say the same thing, but they didn't really pick up anyone who was going to be contributing in cross country. So it, it's a little bit tough from that perspective, but um, overall, I think Arkansas is the clear answer. Yeah, I, I think you're right. UNC probably got the second best transfer that was out there be, behind Kemboy with, with Ratliff, and, and maybe Ratliff will be even better than Kemboy this year. We'll see if he can stay healthy uh, and continue to progress. But I, I, I think UNC is probably just because you're getting such a, a high level guy who's going to be able to run cross and track for you. I think they're probably the only one who who's even in the consideration behind Arkansas. Um, but I think Arkansas is way, way, way far ahead of everybody else. Um, yeah. But moving on, who is your uh, team, uh, your preseason team favorite and why is it NAU? <laughs> Um, yeah, I was wondering, I was like, oh, there's more to this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's NAU. Um, I, I was thinking about this, I think like in a, in a few previous article or when I was writing the way too early men's preview. And when you take a look at their top seven, like remove Nico Young from the equation. And I think you could legitimately make an argument for their top seven that they would all finish as all Americans. If I, if I went one by one with you and I said, Okay, Gojalva, Abdi Nur, like Theo Quacks, like XYZ, and I kept going down the list of their top seven. And I think if I said, is it realistic that they will be all Americans this fall? I think the answer would be yes for all of them. Now, will it actually happen? I, I don't know. But it also, like, it's crazy to say this, but it would also not exactly be surprising given what they have done. Yeah, I mean, they just have like when you're when you're going into NCAA's, you want to give yourself as many chances as you can at having all American finishers. And when you have seven guys that you're gonna are all gonna be fighting, or like really ten guys fighting for seven spots on that team, uh, just to be able to run at NCAA's, and then those seven guys that you choose, all of them have a good chance of being in that top forty. You have to feel good about yourself, and that's the kind of depth that NAU has accumulated. Um, it will be interesting though. I, I think with them it, is to see if they can have that true low stick um, that they haven't really had since Baxter and day um, graduated because that I think is what really hurt them this past year. They didn't have that one guy who was in that top 10 um, really leading the charge. Um, what, which is what they've had in years past, whether it's for some, um, a couple years ago or Baxter a day. So if someone like Grijalva can step up and fill that role, I think they are much, have a much, much better chance at closing the deal this year. Yeah. And I think really in, in an, a scenario where everything goes as expected, Grijalva is a top 10 talent. 
You know, I, I think he was probably in that conversation last year, or at least on the verge of it. So I, I think there was a couple guys where, you know, you look in theory, that's a team that still probably should have won the national title. Now, of course, you know, could have, should have, would have, you know, that it all depends on how race day goes. But yeah, we saw from BYU last year, the reason they won is because they had the better low sticks. They had Connor Mance up there. They had a 17th place finisher. They had a 34th place finisher. You know, it, it the, the depth ultimately didn't matter as much as I think we really put it as much significance behind it. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting moving forward. Uh, but Ben, what percent chance would you give NAU to win the national title this year? Or, or how about this? What percent chance do you think that they could lose the national title later this November? Uh, I'm probably going to be a little bit lower percentage wise, just because I'm, I'm, like feeling the effects of last year when I think I, I gave him a 5% chance at losing. Um, I, I'm I, honest. I think, I think it was, I think it was lower than that. Cause I yeah, gave him 4% chance yeah. and I was the highest. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was 3%. Yeah. I, it was very low. Um, I, I, I'm given to give him a, I think like a 75% chance at winning. Um, okay. I, I don't, I think that's, ve- I mean, extraordinarily high for anyone, but, uh, for NAU, I think they deserve that. For those who think that maybe it should be higher, I would point to last year and the possibility of injuries. And um, even with all that depth, um, there could be problems. Race conditions, uh, as we saw last year, could uh, vary dramatically. So I, I think going into the season, I, I'm probably at about 70 75%. How about you? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably closer to 85%. Um, I dare I even say 90, but Ooh. yeah, I'd say, yeah, I, I'm still pretty confident. I mean, I, I think last year, I mean, that NAU team, if we're just going to be blunt, was the better team throughout 2019. They just were. And you have one weird day where really nothing went as expected for any team, um, except maybe like Colorado. I think we all said they would be like third place or second place or whatever. Um, you, you know, like there was a whole lot of, uh, uncertainty with a lot of teams. I, I just don't know if that exact scenario is going to happen again. I don't see a scenario where, you know, NAU's entire lineup just crashes and burns like they did last year. Um, and they still ran pretty well. They still got second, which is, you know, to put things in perspective. So yeah, I, I still like them. I still think they have the depth to make up for injuries. I think the luxury that, that they have is that they can run Nico Young or not run Nico Young. They can see how their season's going and then just unleash him towards the end of the season if they want to kind of like they did with drew bosley maybe even like wait till later so i i i just i still think like by putting things in perspective you got i i've given them the 85 to 90 percent just because they are that good uh now that said the reason why i don't think it's going to be the three or four percent that it was last year is because byu is significantly better this year than they were last year yeah, and that's that's the point that I think you have to make is is this is a really going to be a really really good BYU team um, that brings back Casey Klinger, brings back Clayson Shumway. Um, they do lose uh, Heslington um, and, and and some other pieces, but I, I I do think that BYU could be even better this year um, than their national title team, which obviously gives them a chance. Um, but in terms of Go in terms of your confidence with NAU. Do you feel most confident going into this year that you ever have with an NAU team, or have there been years past 
where you felt like NAU was even more of a lock going into the season? I think in retrospect, those teams, I was probably, ah, that's, that's a great point. Um, I'm, I'm probably more confident in their, uh, gosh, what was it? Probably their 2018 team. Yeah. I'm trying to think back on that. That was the last, that last day in Baxter team. Yeah. I I think I was probably more confident in them. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think and I'm like, I'm like, Oh man, like where did we rank them in 2018? Like where, where, where did we start them out in the preseason rankings? I'm like trying to think. So like thinking back in retrospect, it's easy to say that. Um, but also like, I still think like this team is, is a team to be really confident in, you know, like it's hard to, look at this team and still be like, well, they're still the deepest team in, in the country. Like they still have all of these weapons. Like, you know, it, it's hard to kind of like look back in retrospect and say, oh, I was so confident in them or, oh, I wasn't confident in them or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, I think you have to be more confident in this team than you, we were last year. And that I think we, we obviously ranked them second going into uh, last year. Um, but I think the 2018 one, um, and, and I would say you, you would feel more confident than you did in there than when they won their first, uh, two titles as well. Um, because their first title, certainly they weren't the overwhelming favorites. And the second one, it was, it was very close between whether or not you would pick BYU or NAU going into nationals and, go, and going into the season. So I, I think this is when you're, when you're thinking about what they look like in preseason, this is probably their second, maybe even their best team that we've seen during this dynasty. Yeah. I mean, they, they need to kind of establish more of those low sticks as we've mentioned, but it is, yeah, I, I think the argument is there to say, yeah, this may be one of their better teams just because last year we we're like, well, they have a great top three, but we don't know what their back end's going to look like. And I thought that was necessarily a bad thing. But this year we know, like, we can look on paper and say, yeah, maybe these these seven guys could all be All-Americans. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on. So I, I'm stealing um, a bit from the Zach Lowe podcast um, that he likes to do uh, in the preseason for uh, NBA teams when he likes to discuss what are his five most confusing or intriguing teams going into the season. Um, and he likes to discuss that. Um, with fellow writer Kevin Arnovitz, um, and they kind of go back and forth, revealing the teams that they find most interesting uh, going into the season. So I thought that would be a good idea for us to do um, as we kind of start, just start the process of previewing cross country. We can kind of maybe talk through some of our confusions about certain teams, and especially as we're trying to rank these teams, maybe get a better idea of where each team really stands. So Garrett, I'll let you start out. Who is your number one most confusing, intriguing team going into the 2020 fall cross country season? Oh man, uh, probably the team that was probably our number one most confusing and intriguing team in 2019. Who do you think I'm going to say? Washington. Correct. I'm going to say Washington. <laughs> yeah. What a weird team. <laughs> Just what a very odd team. They were, they came in ranked to the preseason number three. There are some rumors of injury bugs going around. Like some guys just never lived up to their 2018 performances. I thought they should have redshirted Jordan and Jack Rowe. They didn't. Uh, and then Jordan didn't even run at the national meet anyways. They ended up finishing uh, 19th at the national championships, 
just a really weird like season. Like they should have been so good. They kind of had some of their guys. They didn't. Now Roe and Jordan are gone. I have to wonder, like, is Hall going to be back where he was in 2018? Is Proctor going to be back where he was in 2018? What's the rest of this lineup going to look like? Like there were so many star freshmen that they brought in back in, uh, I think, 20, the 20, summer, summer 2019. And then didn't really see a ton of them. We saw Sam Tanner a little bit. Um, didn't really see a ton of them. And then we, you know, now get to see, well, is like Leo Dashbach going to be running this fall? Is Cruz Culpepper going to be running? You have to think that they're going to be pretty good. But, you know, I, there's just so much uncertainty with this team. And on top of that, they were already one of the more confusing teams last year. So, you know, again, and I'm a big Andy Powell fan. I think he's probably one of the best coaches in the nation when it comes to developing mile runners. But I, I, just as far as this cross-country team goes, I have no idea what to expect. I think they, in theory, can be really good. I just I just don't know how, what the reality of that situation will be. So I had I had Washington on my list as well. I think they were the easy one of the easier choices for this list. Um, and I, I have the same questions as you. I, I have what what do we what can we expect from Taylor Hole and Proctor? These are two guys. Um, Hole was 80th at the 2018 NCAA uh, Cross Country Championship, and Proctor was 38th in that same meet. Um, but last year just really struggled. Um, so I, I guess do we think that we're going to see uh, the Hole and Proctor from 2018 and 2020? Or are we going to see more of what they were like in 2019? Because I'm I'm expecting more of what they did in 2018. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't have their performances from 2018 replicated this fall. I mean, they have, there, there was no, they, they raced sparingly or pretty much didn't really race at all. The whole didn't race at all this past indoor season. I think Proctor raced sparingly and then they didn't have an outdoor season to compete with. So, you know, the idea of, you know, resting up and building back a base and taking all the time that they need and not being forced to race or be pushed into competition um, I, I would think that that should give them all the time in the world that they need to focus back on cross country season. Those two guys are exceptionally talented. Uh, like when they're at their best, they are all American talents, but it's just a matter of whether or not we're going to see them um, or at that level. And I would think they're going to be there, but again, it's just, we just have no idea. So my second question was who, who from last year's recruiting class do you think is going to step up? We have, Affolder, Hauser, uh, is it Wascom? Um, obviously, we saw Sam Tanner, and we, we would expect him to be in the lineup, but do you see someone else from that class really stepping up and filling a, a top five or top seven position? Yeah, yeah, Luke uh, Luke Hauser. Uh, he ran sub eight in 3K this past winter, I think unattached. I have to go back. Maybe he was running in a Washington singlet, but nonetheless, I think he ran 757, 758, something along those lines. I mean, that indi- that indicates that he could be a very strong cross-country talent. I'm really, really interested to see what Sam Affolder can do. I mean, you haven't seen him at all. He- he's been off off the map right now, so... I like to see what he can do, Joe Waskin there, but I would think Hauser is probably the main guy who's going to be, you know, a key vital scorer. I'd expect him to be pretty good this fall. Yeah, like you, I'm endlessly fascinated by what we can expect from Sam Affolder. Um, obviously, his brother Noah has been uh, a top talent when he's been able to stay healthy, um, and I would kind of expect Sam to follow a similar trajectory if he's able to be healthy. 
um, and compete. And if he's able to kind of show off some of that talent that he uh, proved that he had in high school, um, I think he could be a big X factor for them. Um, but looking at this year's recruiting class, I, I'm, I was talking with uh, John Cusick about this. Um, we were very curious about whether Leo Dashbog or Cruz uh, Culpepper will redshirt this year. What do you think? Um, well, I, I think they're going to need them. That's, that's yeah. the thing. I, I don't, I don't know if, if a red shirt, you know, usually with a team like Washington, you have that luxury, but I think they're probably going to need them. I think Dashbox specifically, I think Dashbox is when healthy, he's the better cross country runner. Um, so yeah, I I'd say Culpepper might be red shirted. Um, but I'd say Dashbox is probably the guy who probably, probably runs, but I think that they would probably end up needing them both maybe at one point. So, so we'll see. I, I'm not confident that both of them will be redshirted. Yeah, I, I think Dashbog has an argument for being even even ahead of Nico Young, maybe the most complete uh, runner from this recruiting class. Um, and we didn't really get to see him at the end of last fall because I think he was dealing with an injury. Um, so it would have been nice to see him in, whether it was NXN or Foot Locker, really go up against some of these top guys. And I think he would have performed really, really well. Um, so I, I agree. I don't think Dashbach is going to redshirt. I, I think we could see Culpepper um, redshirt, but I can't agree more that I, I would be very, very surprised to see Dashbach not in a Washington singlet this fall. So we already went over, we, we basically took each other's the first choice with Washington. Who's your second pick? Um, so we already touched on them a little bit, so we don't have to talk about them too much, but I had Arkansas. Yeah, that was mine too. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we're, we're sticking true to form so far. So the the few questions I have with them. Will Kemboy run? We, we've obviously, we've talked about that uh, endlessly, and we will probably continue talking about that until we actually see him run in an Arkansas uniform. Um, and if, for those that don't know, there's an SEC rule in terms of transfer eligibility, uh, Kemboy only has one season of cross country eligibility left, which indicate that he would not be able to run immediately in cross country and he would have to wait until next year. But it, we're not sure if that will uh, completely apply with him this fall. Um, and, and secondly, I, I'm very curious to see what we're going to see from Emmanuel Chabosin and uh, Jacob McLeod in their first years in the program. Um, it, it is obviously not super easy to jump into a completely new training program and perform uh, instantly. And, and I think we saw that from Gilbert Boyd a little bit when he transferred over. And, and he's another question mark to me. He, he had uh, a rough uh, performance at uh, the 2018 NCAA meet. Um, he redshirted this past year. He's a talented guy who is a top 20 guy if he's running well, but he did not perform well at NCAA's last time. Um, and I don't know how much stock we should put into that um, because he could be en end up being that X factor for them. Um, if he doesn't perform well, I don't think they have a shot at the podium. But if he does, then I think they're one of the favorites. Yeah. And you took you took really the first half of my argument there is we just don't know how some of these guys are going to perform. Like Chabosin's another name. The, the guy is great and he's talented, but he's also shown a lot of inconsistency. You know, he doesn't always, you know, give you his best performance every time he toes the line. Do I think he could be better with an Arkansas coaching staff? Yeah. Um, 
but we'll also see how that how that goes. Roy Leonard isn't coming over from the UK anymore. Um, you've got, uh, I think it was Matt Young, who was one of their top runners from last year. He'll be returning, but just how good will he be? Luke Mee, as we had mentioned earlier in the uh, in the podcast, breakout indoor track season, but how will that translate over to cross country, a season that he hasn't had the same level of success in? So our Arkansas ceiling is like a podium team, also a team that ends up like Washington this upcoming year, and just you, you don't know what's going to happen. So I I, I kind of see them in, in a weird position where it's like we learned from Washington and now we're applying it to Arkansas and we're going to kind of be seeing how they work and how they unravel and how things go. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. A lot of questions, a lot of questions I don't think people realize are there for the Razorbacks. And it'll be interesting to see what we uh, see from the Razorbacks who are returning. You, you mentioned Matt Young. And he just had a really good indoor season, 803-1349. He looks like he's kind of stepped it up a little bit and can be a much better performer than he was uh, last fall. But you also have guys like Miles Richter and Ryan Murphy who um, could also step up because I, even with this influx of talent um, from the transfer market and Gilbert Boyd coming back, I really think... Arkansas's performance could be dictated by how well do the guys who were running varsity for Arkansas in 2019, how much can they improve in 2020? Because if they do and they can kind of fill out that back end of the roster, um, then I think Arkansas is not only has some top low sticks, they also have some consistency at the back end of their lineup. And it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see if, the experience that a lot of these guys gained in 2019 will benefit them in 2020. Great point. Yeah. Cause the, the, the firepower is there, but the second half, the depth, the guys who are going to step up, maybe surprise us, um, you know, fill in when a guy has an off day, um, you know, displace other runners, give them a complete top seven. Uh, that's going to matter. It's, it's going to matter both in the smaller meets or at least the, the meets with less that are less top heavy, like the sec championships. Um, you know, when they face old miss, it's going to matter. Uh, at the national stage when depth makes a difference. So yeah, I, I would completely agree with all of that. Um, it, it's definitely going to be super interesting there, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, Garrett, who is your third team on your list? Man. So I kind of went back and forth on this. I, I'd probably go with the Stanford men. Is that one of your team? No, I didn't. I, I, no. I, I was kind of thinking that you're going to have them. So I didn't put them on there. So, okay. So perfect. Tell me, tell, tell me why Stanford are okay, confusing. Perfect. Yeah, well, Stanford's confusing because I think when you immediately look at their roster, it's easy to look at their team and be like, oh, no, they lost all these guys. But put this in perspective. Osberg, was, he wasn't coming back to Stanford. You know, The idea that him going to UNC for grad school didn't really happen until he got the extra eligibility. And oh, by the way, he didn't have cross-country eligibility, so he was leaving anyways. Same thing with Stephen Fay. Didn't have eligibility. He was leaving anyways. Um you know, now Thomas Ratcliffe hurts, and I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. It, that's a kilo stick, one of the best runners in the nation when he's healthy. Definitely is, you know, definitely a tough loss there. But they still return Alec Parsons. They bring in two superstar recruits in Cole Sprout and Thomas Boyden, and they have some of the best young depth in the country. I mean, I could go on listing these guys like on and on and on. And, you know, Connor Lane is, is a veteran who's run 1342, and there's Michael Vernow who's run you know, low 29s for the 10K. And DJ Principe has experience. And Callum Bolger and, 
you know, there's Clayton Mendez. Clayton Mendez, another great name. Like there are pieces to this team that can make Stanford really successful. The problem is that we really haven't seen a ton of them race on the cross country course. It's been dominated by the Stephen Fays, the Alec Osper, uh, Alex Osbergs, the Ratcliffs, and the Alec Parsons of the world. So Parsons is still there, but they've got a lot of really talented names. I just don't know what we're what we can expect to see from them on the cross country course. I would expect that they'll be pretty good. I would hope that they'd be pretty good, but I, I just don't know what to expect. So uh, going to be pretty interesting moving forward uh, this is stanford team with a they'll be good but just how good so that that's kind of my perspective it's certainly a transitional year for them and i think the way they play their hand will be extremely fascinating so it's a transitional year in that they lose a lot of top end talent this is a team going back since really i mean gosh since the rosa twins um They've had a, a heavy reliance on their top end talent. They've had Fisher. Um, they've had. Um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? McGordy um, or Baxter. McGordy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've they've had all these guys who have um, really given them great low sticks. Alex Osberg's done that uh, consistently the last two years. So they're they're going to have to go to a more I think pack running mentality um, and really try to load up all together. I think Parsons might be able to be that like top twenty kind of talent if he kind of gets back to his form from two years ago. But I think they're really just going to need to group up and run as a team um, and not kind of they're not going to have the luxury of relying on a Grant Fisher or an Alex Osberg to be in that top five, top ten, or Thomas Ratcliffe to be in the top five, top ten. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see how they play that as a team. And it'll also be interesting to see how much they are thinking about the future, uh, going into this year. You mentioned yeah. they have some good, uh, freshman recruits coming in, but are they going to be able to, or, or do they want to use them this year? Or are they going to have an eye on the future and be like, let's just kind of get through this year. We'll try to develop maybe some other guys and we'll, push back our uh, our guess our uh timeline by a year by redshirting these guys yeah and that, that's another great point i think the likely redshirt would be boyden just because his breakout was really this past spring when he ran i think like 404 and like 850 for 3200 meters um so like he's outstanding but his cross-country accolades we haven't seen him at this new level of talent yet so it's still kind of yet to be seen i would think that he might be redshirted so they just preserve another year and say hey we're gonna keep him around and maybe they add in cole sprout to this cross-country lineup knowing just how talented he could be um or maybe vice versa like you know i basically i think they're gonna run one redshirt the other i don't know how it's gonna work out but yeah i, I think the more options that they're, I think we're going to see various lineup uh, variations. You know, I mean, I think we're going to see different lineups for Stanford throughout the fall. I think we're going to see different guys running in different spots, and they've done this before with previous lineups. But I think this is the year of experimentation to kind of see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, you're right. We we definitely will see a lot of variation. So I'll, I'll give you my number three. I, I had Colorado. I had Colorado. Okay. Um, yeah. And so losing Klecker and Dressel, um, they still have Harrison, um, Hornecker, and Herrera. So the questions I, the, the reason why I, I'm kind of confused about what to expect with Colorado is there's a world where I see them not dropping off 
very much at all. Like I, I could see them still Agreed. almost competing for a podium position, but I could also see them dropping back to maybe 15th. Um, I, I think that Harrison is a one of the most interesting runners in the NCAA moving forward. Uh, what kind of improvement we expect we can expect from him will be very fascinating. He he didn't have the greatest NCAA's, but man, was he good throughout the regular season. Um, and if he can kind of jump into maybe th- that Dressel role or something for the team, that would give them a huge huge boost. Um, likewise, what what are we going to see from Stephen Jones um, coming in from Mississippi State? How will he fit in? Um, how well will he compete? Uh, in the West, um, where he's going to be competing against maybe a lot higher competition week in, week out, um, brand new team running at altitude. How is he going to react to that? And then uh, lastly, I think what the the season comes down to for Colorado, like it did last year, is who is going to step up and fill out that back end. We saw Harrison and Hornecker step up and give Klecker, Dressel, and Herrera some help. So who is that? Who is going to be? Who's going to fill that role this year? Gabe Fendel was starting to show something. Paxton Smith, uh, freshman from last year, uh, like Hunter Appleton, Noah Hibbard, um, or Austin Vansell, are all guys that um, could probably jump in and improve. And if they have a lot of improvement, this is a Colorado team that just like last year when we weren't really sure about them because their back end. Um, could surprise us and be a podium contender because their back end is way better than we would have ever expected. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I mean, that was really spot on. I, I think it, it really comes down to can they all run well on the same day? Um, exactly. You know, I, I think the Herrera, Harrison, Hornecker, you, sometimes you saw that, other times you didn't. Kind of like the national meet, like Herrera is an all-American. People forget that. Herrera has been an all-American in cross country, but I think the past two seasons he's fell outside the top 40. So we haven't really seen that from him. Um, so it, it's a matter of really, can they all run well on the same day? I think they are a a team that has enough talent where they could be on the podium. Like if I told you, hey, are Her- uh, Harrison, Hornecker, and Herrera, if I went one by one and say, could they realistically be all Americans? You would say probably yes. And three all Americans with a good enough back end will likely get you on the podium. So yeah, I'm for me, it's it's everything that you said, the young back end, the young depth, trying to find who's going to make up the rest of that top seven, but also wondering, can they all run well on the same day? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The the consistency will be interesting, especially for a team that's going to be relying on a lot of young guys. Like we're, we're talking about Harrison's going to be a sophomore. A lot of the back end is probably going to be underclassmen as well. Um, and to see if they can all put it together uh, on the right day, it, it'll be, I mean, that's going to decide their, uh, what they are able to do this coming fall. Um, but Garrett, give me your next uh, team on your list. Yeah, I'd say probably Virginia, the Virginia men. Um, that's who I'm going with. Uh, a team, yeah, a team that had a lot of depth last year. They were, you know, really complete, a really good top seven. Maybe didn't have their best day at the national meet, but a team that I thought was pretty consistent and pretty good. Um, they had a lot of young talent, but also they lose AJ Ernst, they lose Ari Clow, they lose Randy Niche, they lose Alex Corbett, uh, according to Tifers. Now, this is all, you know, they're all listed as seniors, and I'm going through. Tifers hasn't always been the most reliable when it comes to 
taking a look at some of the eligibility things. So some of these guys might be back in the fall, but generally speaking, according to TFers, they're losing a, a good number of veterans here. Um, but then on the other side, they I'm sorry, they return Randy Niche. I apologize. Yeah. They do return. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they return Randy Niche, but AJ Ernst is going to Providence. Um, oh gosh, Alex Corbett looks like he, he's done. Ari Cloud's done. Yeah, so you, you keep going down this list, but you know, they, they also have guys like Peter Morris. Peter Morris showed a ton of great potential last year. It looks like Lachlan Cook will be back. So there are guys on this team that I really like, like uh, Rohan Asfa um, or, you know, Osmond Humidia. Oh, that's, that's Virginia Tech. I apologize. Wrong Virginia. Um, I, I feel I feel embarrassed as a Virginia Tech grad. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the list goes on. Like there are talented names on this group and they, they've had, you know, a, a few decent recruiting classes a year or two ago. So that should translate into a pretty decent team. But I, I just don't know what to expect from this squad that was like a top 20 team last year, but like not by a ton. Yeah, I I almost had them on my list um, as well. And I'm just kind of curious what we're going to see under the Virginia team as we move forward under Vin Lanana. Um, And what what are we expecting from them? We've kind of talked a lot about uh, Coach Miltonberg with uh, UNC and what he's doing with the program. But it, 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 Virginia is also very fascinating to me with a new head coach. Um, what are they going to be able to do with even after losing all this talent, as you outlined? Um, they're going to be a fascinating team to watch, I think, this year as they try to slowly rebuild into probably what Lenata, Coach Lenata wants them to be a top 10 team in the next few years. But how competitive are they going to be in 2020 as they kind of start this process almost all over again. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I, I really do think they're going to be pretty good. I think they'll be good enough. Like I think the pieces are there. Um, you know, like they, they finished fourth at ACC's, but they tied with Virginia tech at a hundred points and then lost on the tiebreaker. So like, you know, this is a team that had, you know, from a I think they took, they went 12, 20, 21, 22, 25, at ACC, so like they have, they had the depth last year. They return a good portion, at least a good enough portion of that group. And uh, yeah, I'm just kind of interested to see who comes back and, and how they come back um, and and perform. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. All right, I will pick one team uh, coming up, and I have this team. You probably do not have on your list. I have Harvard. Um, yeah, that's fair. A big breakout year. Um, in 2019, but I, honestly, I'm curious to see what t- 2020 looks like for a lot of these Ivy League schools. Um, they obviously lost a lot of talent, not necessarily any that would have come back for cross country uh, next year. But they, I mean, there was just we. I think a majority of the transfer news we saw was Ivy League student athletes going elsewhere. Um, they do lose. Guaranteed Devate and Will Battershill, um, which were who were both obviously huge pieces for a Harvard team that that did surprisingly well at NCAA's after sneaking in and qualifying when we didn't expect them to. But they bring back Colin Baker, who I think is probably one of the more underrated uh, runners in the country. He's 48th at NCAA's. They bring back Matthew Pereira, who is 75th. They have Hugo Milner, um, Michael Albert, David Melville. Um, and they have a, I think a freshman Acer Iverson who just ran 808 this past indoor season. Um, do they have enough 
to compete in this north in the Northeast Regional and qualify for NCAA's? I'm not sure. But I, I think what we saw last year was a team that was starting to kind of come into their own. Um, and it'll be interesting to me to see if they can continue that momentum in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it was Alex Gibby, the head coach there, or the the distance coach there at Harvard. I think he's found a really uniquely perfect role for him and his athletes in terms of producing talent. You know what he's done with Tuntavante, and now Colin Baker looks strong, and Will Battershill's been great, and you've seen success on the women's side. You know, I, I think there is a lot of there, I think there's a good future for Harvard. But with all due respect, the Northeast region was wild last year. Yes. And I'm not taking anything <laughs> away from them, but this is kind of the year to me where it's like, if you know, please show me it again, basically. And that's that's not any disrespect. I do think Harvard's a good program, but I mean, you you can't say that last year was like any other. I mean, they were racing on the roads. Um, you know, it, it was just wild in weather flies. in vapor. Yeah. Vapor of <laughs> the whole vapor fly controversy. Like that's a whole nother thing. So yeah, I'm with you there. And really I had the same question about like the Cornell women and you know, all those other, other, you know, all those other teams. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. The Ivy league is definitely one of the more interesting team, the interesting leagues and conferences at the NCAA this year. I just, you know, I also just think Harvard just loses too much to kind of get back on the national stage. You lose, what Battershill and Tutavante and, and that right there, I think it's just too much. And, and you're probably right. I, I think I was just impressed by their NCAA performance. I felt that felt like that really validated the, their Northeast regional performance because like you, I, I didn't take much stock into that um, because it was so, so weird and so different. Um, so maybe, maybe that was just a little bit of a fluke. Um, but if they can validate it this year, I, I think that would be super impressive um, and really show us where Harvard is headed as a program. Um, but Garrett, give me your next, I think maybe your last team on your list. Yeah, I think this is the last team here. Um, and it may be one that if, if anyone reads my stuff, they probably know where I'm going with this. I'm going with, actually, no, who do you think I'm, who do you think I'm going to go with? Michigan? No, no, not Michigan. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going go with, uh, I'm going with Gonzaga. Oh, okay, so, there you go. Yeah, going with Gonzaga. And they bring back their entire top seven. They were all pretty young last year. They barely missed NCAAs. I mean, by a fluke cola scenario that ended in controversy. Um, just the wildest scenario possible. They were good last year. I think, you know, there was question whether or not they should have been at a national championship. But regardless, um, this is the year... Gonzaga must qualify. Like, there's not going to be any of this, like, well, it was close and we should have been. And there was like this, this rule. Like, no, like last year was like, they were good. Maybe they got robbed, but this is the year. It's like, you bring everyone back. Everyone still has a lot of upside. Your team was young last year. You didn't have these expectations. You got robbed. That's now behind you. Perform and get to the national meet this year. And that's why this is one, these are one of my more, uh, in, intriguing teams and they are hungry they are out for revenge i, I don't doubt it like i, I know oh, for a yeah. fact they've got they've got the the hashtag revenge tour trending you know they, they are going after this no doubt and i do think that this is a team that should qualify for the national meet i do think they are capable of doing so but for me this is also in the back of my mind of being like not the, not that it's an excuse but also like like this is the year like if you're gonna do it do it like so you know we'll, we'll see about gonzaga they were i think 16th at nutty comb last year 
I, I think they were, gosh, I, I don't know. They were 14th at Joe Piani. So they were good, but still like those are performances that need to be better, right? Like those performances already are going to put you on the cusp of not qualifying or qualifying. So um, we'll see what happens. You, you got to really see if that young team last year is actually going to translate into being the, you know, a, a top 31 team. Yeah. So I have Ole Miss as my last team. And uh, the reason why I have them is because they've been a really, really good team. And I, I think a top 15 or top 10 talent uh, kind of team the last two years, but they haven't been able to put it together at nationals. You have uh, Walid Suleiman, who has put it together and been a great low stick for them in the last two years. But then you have guys kind of like Cade Bethman, who who put together a decent race in 2018 and was 93rd, but then fade to 177th last year. You have guys like Mario Garcia-Romo, Parker Scott, uh, Michael Cochia, Cole, uh, Cole Bullock, who really impressed um, at regionals uh, as a freshman, but then ran was 235th at nationals. Um, this is a team I think that has the talent to compete for a top 10 spot this year. If they can put it together at nationals, maybe uh, the Oklahoma state course will suit them a little bit better than the Terre Haute course did. Um, but you have guys who have a ton of talent. Cade Bethman is uh, a sub 340 or like a low 340, 1500 guy, Parker Scott, 847 steepler. And you know what to expect from Suleiman. Um, and I think Bullock could be a really big X factor for them as we move forward and he has a little bit more experience, but um, it'll just be very fascinating to me to see how this team does at NCAAs this year, because this is kind of, this is an older team now. Like they've been such a young team the last few years, they have the experience at nationals. And I, I really am looking forward to see what they can put together at nationals because I, I think I know what to expect from them during the regular season, they're going to compete at a high level at SECs um, with Arkansas, and they're going to probably dominate regionals once again. But what are they going to do at NCAAs? I think that's the more interesting question. Yeah, Ole Miss has been a team that I've kind of been, you know, it's one of those teams I always respected and I always liked. But, you know, I think we had this take last year of them being better on flatter courses because it kind of favored their speed that we've seen on the track. Uh, and of Terre Haute does not favor speed and it does not favor track prowess. So, um, it, yeah, I think this is a team where it's like they have the experience, they have the talent. Um, but now let's see if they can actually put it onto the national stage. I think they can, despite losing Farah Abdul Karim, like you know, a really key name next to Walid Suleiman throughout last year. Um, but I still think they have enough talent. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And um, and yeah, and I, I'll, I'll go with you there. Ole Miss. All right. So just a heads up, Ben was having a few technical issues with his mic towards the end there. But I think we got most of the audio in. I think we got a lot of our conversation down. Um, so thank you to everyone for listening. We're going to wrap this up before uh, I lose any of my audio. So I think we're all set there. Um, thank you for listening. Go check out thestridereport.com. Uh, and don't forget, rate and review. You guys were awesome with our five rate and reviews this past week. Shout out to you. Remember the March to 100. We're forgetting the March to 70. We're forgetting the March to 80. We're forgetting the March to 90. The March to 100 begins. Uh, so go leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That's all I've got. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks.